0: Welcome. I have a very special conversation today with Creed Revere. She is the host of the Estranged Heart podcast, and she is going to share her experience with estrangement and how she helps others. She really is a tremendous soul, and I'm glad you get to listen to this conversation today. Come on in. Hello and welcome to Templates for Life. I am joined today. By a masterful podcaster and a fully authentic, kind-hearted human who just gives back to the world with her podcast, "The Estranged Heart," and I want Creed to introduce herself and share a little bit about who she is and what she does and all things.
1: Thank you, Heather. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me on your your podcast today. I really, I really do appreciate it, and I'm honored to be here. Um, I have my podcast, The Estranged Heart, Um, that came about through my own estrangement experience, um, having been estranged from both of my adult children. Um, I have two daughters, and there was a time in my life when they were both, um, they chose to estrange from me. And so based on that experience, and then having later reconciled, um, I wanted to reach out and help others through this very emotionally taxing experience in life and, um, not only helping estranged mothers, but, um, also helping estranged adult children because, um, it's kind of funny, you know, through, (laughs) through life, we, we tend to forget bits and pieces of our life and, um, It was interesting because after I started the podcast, it occurred to me, oh, my goodness. Not only was I once an estranged mom, but I was also once an estranged adult child. And because I had never used the word estranged, it didn't click for me um, until I started the podcast and started talking with, you know, much more um, in talking with um, other estranged People that I recognize. Oh my heavens! I had been estranged from my own mom several different times in my young adult life, and um, and so I walk kind of both sides of that experience, and I can see it from both perspectives. And in wanting to help heal the world, this is my little part in trying to bring parents and adult children back together. So that was how I came to have the podcast and doing the work that I do with the strange parents.
0: Having listened to episodes, you have a, a calm and a hopeful message that I, I can't imagine um, not hearing if I were in that situation. So you have, you have the podcast. What else do you have that you reach out to people and support them?
1: Yeah, I have an online support group that I run um, through Facebook, which is for estranged moms. Um, I also am a coach and um, working with estranged moms and helping them to reconcile with their adult children if possible, and if not, in helping them to grieve and heal, work through their pain so that they can have a purposeful life filled with joy again, even if their children aren't in it. Um, And that's, it sounds, when I say that to people, people are like, oh my God, I cannot imagine not having my children in my life. And I'm here to tell you those estranged parents also can't imagine not having their children in their life. Um, But because we can only change ourselves, we only have control over ourselves. Sometimes that's the reality that estranged parents are living. Mm. And I feel v- it's so important to me that people feel like they're living a life of purpose, regardless of the circumstances in their life.
2: Mm. Yeah.
0: Can you, for the listeners, talk about the, the layers or the, the types of estrangement you see? And then also, as you're speaking, I, when I work with others or even my own life experience, the word abandonment comes up. So can you talk about those two terms in the, in the different?
1: Yeah. Um, So estrangement is, it's, I mean, in layman's terms, it's having, well, it can have, there's a range, there could be little contact with between two people in a relationship. Um, and I, I speak mainly from the parent and adult child perspective. So there can be limited contact with a parent um, from children who would choose to estrange. Um, things like, you know, once a year visits with a parent, you know, um twice a year, you know, holidays. It's the only time we're around each other, kind of thing, to complete and utter no contact zero contact, no phone calls, no emails, no text messages, no visits, no nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And abandonment is, you know, there's a choice, right? There's a choice for someone to walk away. It's the same thing in estrangement. A person can walk away generally with parents and children. It's the child who walks away. Um, in, in choosing to estrange, choosing to no longer have this relationship, the parents feel abandonment from that. Children can feel abandoned if their parent chooses to walk away and not have contact with them. Um, but we, we tend to label that as abandonment as opposed to estrangement. I usually hear it when I hear the word estrangement, it's usually an adult child has walked away from their parent. Mm -hmm. Um, and has made that choice it's a choice for them for the parents it's not a choice and it can feel like abandonment I had um when I my parents divorced when I was five and my dad was out of my life and I was super close with my dad I was the oldest of two daughters and um dad and I were like you know just best pals and so when mom and dad divorced there were three years there that I did not see my dad. And so I felt I I still am working. Today is my birthday. I'm 53 years old. And I'm still working through my abandonment issues, stemming from the divorce of my parents and my father not being in my life at that point in time. I've since learned there were, you know, there's all there were extenuating circumstances as to the reason he wasn't in my life. But because of that feeling, when I was five, when my daughter's Estranged from me. I was in essence emotionally a five-year-old all over again.
2: Mm.
1: What on earth has happened? Um, I went through, and I think that most mothers especially feel this when their children estrange. I went through, oh my god, if my if my children don't love me, who will? Mm. Mm. Like, I mean you you, when you become a mother, I mean, that's just what society tells you. You will always have this person in your life who will always love you no matter what, that type of thing. And it's not true. It's not true. Do I think that my children stopped loving me? No, but they didn't like me very much. And there were reasons why they they estranged and, and through our reconciliation process, I've learned about those reasons, but it it brings up all sorts of childhood Things that we didn't process, didn't know about. And most parents, most moms are like, I had no idea I was dealing with any of this stuff, right? You know, I'm a huge advocate for therapy, and therapy is what saved me through my estrangement. Mm. And so I'm always telling um, moms that I work with is, you know, I get yourself into therapy and start working on that inner work and things of your own hurts and pains from way back when, because it's, it's overflowing into your life as a parent today. Mm. Um, so, so again, those, those abandonment comes up. It's a huge, massive piece for parents who are estranged from their children Um, and then that, you know, there's a fear, especially, um, the older generation, I'm kind of, I was a very young mom. And so I sit between the ages of most adult children who are estranged and the parents who have been estranged. And, um, and I, I, so I can kind of see the generational differences. Um, and, and there's just, there's these, the older generation is just like, this makes no sense to me. I have, you know, they, they're in essence clueless as to a lot of the reasons why this has happened and don't understand the language that the younger generation is using today, um, definitions. And, you know, I mean, they just, they just don't understand it. It's like you have two people in a relationship that are speaking two different languages.
2: Mm. Yeah.
0: And I imagine that
1: comes with layers of shame and guilt, If I'm not
0: sure where it's coming from.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. The guilt ate me up for a very long time, very long time. I still have a significant amount of guilt, but I'm able to contain it in a way that it doesn't overtake me. And, you know, what I call take me under, you know, I don't allow it to, I mean, I've, I've done enough inner work that it doesn't do that anymore to me, um, but I still say today that if I had one do over in life, just one, it would be to re to parent my children differently.
2: Mm.
0: And we do what we know, and we only know what we know. Right. And when when you're internal, you know this generational trauma. So even the mm-hmm. idea of it, this didn't happen to, you, if it had happened to your mom, or right. other, you would still be impacted in your brain chemistry, how exactly respond to the world. So. Yeah. I think it's, it's sort of when people throw around psychological diagnoses really loosely, it's like, no, this is deeper than just the word estrangement.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And when I, I, this is, this is part of my work that I'm trying to do with parents, um, and with with the adult children is, you know, when (laughs) I say often, if I hear the word narcissist one more time, I'm just going to lose it. Um, because it seems to be this, Um, catch all word that is, we're trying to apply to something that has so many layers, so many things behind the scenes that causes someone to behave the way that they're behaving. this is adult children and their parents. We all respond and react, based off of our life experiences and the things that we have and not even just our own life experience and things that we've done, but things that we've witnessed and things that other people have experienced. And that that's what you're talking about, right? That intergener- intergenerational trauma that is happening and has been happening. And I think my personal opinion, that is the root of this silent epidemic that I keep hearing, um, that estrangement is today. Um, a lot of the parents label it as an epidemic and that it's being hmm, nurtured by (laughs) the, um, mental health field. And, um, and I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think that 99% 99% of therapists are out here encouraging people to estrange and to not have relationships. But I do think that they are saying your mental health is important as well. Mm. And you know, that's where we're at, but yeah, the inter- intergenerational trauma is, is just a massive piece of this. And generally when I work with parents, I, once I can get in with them and start talking about this, then they start saying, Oh oh yeah, my mom was estranged from her sister. And then my grandmother, oh, I remember she never talked to her dad. And you just start going back through the years. And then they, but because it wasn't labeled as estrangement back then, they don't put the pieces together, just like I did with my own mom, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we can start talking about that and start going back through the years, we find that thread just is woven throughout most families somewhere, somewhere along the way.
0: And and that's such a big piece. It wasn't spoken of. So it also wasn't given a voice or, or words make it understood, you know, to understand it. I mean, I know the, my parents' generation, you didn't even talk about anxiety or depression or any of those sorts of things as, as someone in the profession, I appreciate the point of view of it's almost a trend of, and we call it setting boundaries sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. i setting a boundary to not have a relationship with you, but it's very, it's, it's almost like people are ghosting one another without having that conversation,
1: which is the same yeah. as the generation before. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. And that's, I see so many and I get it right. When generally, when, if you, if you're dealing, you can deal with an adult child who is non-confrontational or a parent who's non-confrontational. And so having any sort of conversation that that is emotional is confronting things and they're they're not apt to listen and and want to participate in a conversation like that and the same thing goes for the adult children so many of them ghost but I find many times when that happens when I when I can talk with the estranged child what I hear is I tried and tried and tried and tried and tried to talk to them. I tried to get them to listen. I tried to tell them A, B, C, and D, and they just wouldn't listen. And I had no other option than to just walk away. And that is, that's my work, right? And trying to help people to understand this, these different languages that we're talking, right? And these different perspectives and what, you know, their perspective and definition of respect is totally different than this generation's definition of respect, and and helping them to get on the same page together and it's really challenging, deeply challenging and emotional work.
0: Absolutely, and trying to make sense of something that doesn't make sense is just yeah. its own science. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When you are working with someone. What are, what are some of the themes that you want them to hear on either side, either the adult or the child?
1: Oh, my goodness. I think um, some of the, the themes um, I talk about often on my podcast that estrangement is two sides of the same coin. Generally, when I hear a parent saying, you know, I feel I've heard the word gutted, mm-hmm. I feel abandoned. I feel like nobody loves me, that my children hate me. And then I go to the child and I hear, I feel gutted. I feel I mean, the exact same thing from different perspectives. Right. And that is something else that I try to work with them on and helping them. Number one, before I can do anything with anyone, be it a parent or a child, is I have to hear their story. And validate their experience and their what they're feeling. I mean, without that, the doors remain up, the X is <laughs> in front of everything, and there's no hearing anything. Mm-hmm. And this is this is a lot of my work with parents and helping them to understand, feeling, hearing the child, and helping to validate their experience, even if they don't agree with it. And mm-hmm. that's really, really hard for anyone to say that did not happen. I mean, they, they say that didn't happen. And I'm like, but it, it did to them. Mm-hmm. This is, this was their experience. Mm-hmm. And that was a very real experience. Just as when you say that didn't happen, that was your experience. And we want them to understand that too. So we're talking again, two sides of the same coin. We're, and, and so I have to hear that from both of them before I can even get into any, any of this other stuff. Um, and, and that is, that's therein lies a lot of, a lot of the work that I do is helping them to begin to entertain that estrangement. I have yet to meet a child who has walked away from a parent and said, Nope, don't love them. Don't want to have a relationship with them. Don't care about them. Best thing I ever did in my life, I don't ever want to see him again. I've not, I've not had that conversation mm. with anyone. They want to have relationships with their, with their parents, but they need to feel heard, seen, and have their experiences validated. I, I posted something on Instagram not long ago about um, feelings, right? Someone, just because you love someone doesn't mean they feel loved by you. And that's the difference. That right there is the difference. And the kids are saying, "I don't feel it from my parents." Generally, this is—I know I'm way off topic here. Generally, this is something that the parents I hear parents say often. We gave them the best life. We gave them everything they could ever want. We gave them the best education. They had the best clothes. They went to the best schools. And I—and when I hear that, I think things things, things, things. Where were the feelings? Where were the emotions? Where was the connection, emotional connection to your child? Right. And it's hard for that older generation because they didn't have that. They didn't, it wasn't demonstrated to them. And so they didn't know how to give that. And I had, and I saw that with my own mom and still, I mean, to this day. I mean, I love my mom to pieces and have a really good relationship with her, but there are parts and pieces of her that will never be emotional. And I'll never be able to reach that with her. She's really emotionally connected with my sister, but she's not with me. And that's, that's just, you know, I'm not my sister. My mom and my sister are, you know, very similar in personality styles. And so they get along really well. And my mom and I are complete opposites of one another. And so it's really challenging. So I talk to that, you know, talk about that as well. So when they don't haven't experienced something and expecting parents to just automatically know how to emotionally connect with a child is asking for the impossible. If they've never had it demonstrated to them, they've never been taught how to do that. They don't know how. And they don't understand the need for it. They don't. Right. They survive. They're okay. Quote unquote. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. And I, and I, it's so interesting that you say, you've never heard an adult child say, you know, I'm so glad I don't have my parents because even in the most horrible, abusive relationships, I've had clients come in and say, I want to make it all right. I want it to be okay. Because, They're the people that brought us in the world. They're the people that are supposed to be, you know, our connection to ourselves and the world and so many potential losses. When you think about your role in the family,
1: what if, what if I do walk away? What if I don't walk away? Right. Right. And then, and then, you know, when the the adult children start having families of their own and so then their life, you know, with, and, and I actually talked about that for today's episode, um, on my podcast about. Um, doormat and boundaries and the differences with with those, um, but that was another thing. Is that the children? Oftentimes, I hear I my parents abused me, and that the parents are like, I never laid a hand on them. So the parents are like, they see physical abuse to them when they hear the word abuse, they're thinking physical. Generally, the kids when they are saying abuse, they're talking emotional. And so again, here's this, you know, two different languages that we're speaking and trying to get them to understand one another. Um, And, and so when the kids, the adult children are having families of their own, they oftentimes will, will keep the grandchildren away. And because, and this is what I heard from my own daughter. um, When we went through our estrangement experience, she said to me, I will not allow you to do to my children what you did to me. Mm -hmm. And that was, I mean, That brought me to my knees. I mean, I was just like, I didn't know what to do with that. I had no idea what to do with that. I was distraught thinking that my child thought that I had purposely harmed her and then would purposely harm her children, my grandchildren. And that was the furthest thing from the truth ever, Mm -hmm. ever. And, but that is how they feel. That's how they feel. And until I got myself into therapy, talking about the estrangement and talking about my own childhood stuff, and then see, being able to see it from her perspective, my daughter's perspective, then, it, then I started p- putting the pieces together. Oh my God, I, I hear what she's talking about now. And I'm here to tell you, as a parent, to hear your child say, you hurt me, mm-hmm. it's... It just rips you to shreds because, you know, I mean, not all parents, but the most parents never, ever set out with an intention to hurt their children ever. Mm -hmm. And so to hear your child say, you hurt me is just, it's heart crushing is absolutely utterly heart crushing. And I get so emotional thinking about it today because I mean, I just, that was never my intent, Mm -hmm. never my, I mean, not even on my radar to ever impose harm on my children. I thought I was working to protect them, right? I was a, a single mom for a lot of my parenting years and worked in careers where I was in charge of helping people to be safe. I was a police officer, worked in public safety. And so it was take charge of the situation, order people around, telling them what to do, all in an effort to keep people safe and free from harm. And I brought that home and thought I was doing a good thing. I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm I'm protecting my child, you know, you know, screaming at them because that's what I'm going to do when I walk onto the scene as a police officer that is out of, you know, into utter chaos and to gain control, again, to keep people safe. Yeah. and i never i never put those things together that it then came home and affected the way that i was parenting my children and so i had to face those things i had to face the fact that i hurt my child i didn't do it intentionally but nonetheless i hurt them
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i had to face that it wasn't pleasant it was the most Oh, it was just, it was just awful. I remember for months going to therapy and just thinking, I don't know how I'm ever gonna get out of this. I don't know how I'm ever, ever going to get to a place where I can function again. What kind of parent am I to have hurt my kids? And there you have it. I mean, it was just it was just that. It was so hard. It was so unbelievably hard. And Thankfully, working with my therapist, I was able to get to a place where I could recognize that, give the apologies, you know, even though I knew that I didn't, I didn't do it with intent, but I had to apologize because I did, I did hurt them. Hmm. We don't know what
0: we don't know. Right. And, and forgiving ourselves is typically more difficult than allowing or asking for that of others. Very much so. Yeah.
1: Very much so.
0: Right. And, and I imagine, because it is usually later in life, early adulthood, later adulthood, when we then look back and say what our parents did or didn't do, it's mm-hmm. if we had known our parents' story when we were young yes, and we had worked together through, right? So I think of my mom and I was, she was divorced while she was pregnant with me. And then my two-year-old sister at the time died. And I was, I was just a few weeks Mm. old and it's, she Mm. didn't have any capacity to bond with me. No, I didn't know that story. And then when I did, you know, it was like, it was so much further in life, but again, you don't talk about it. You You don't share the stories with your, with your kids to say, listen, I, I don't do well in this area because it wasn't shown to me. Right. Or because it triggers me like like thinking of my kids as they were at different ages when I experienced difficulties I was mm-hmm. very aware that I was bothered by them at that age not bothered by them but that it brought it back right right mm-hmm. 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 but if yeah. you talk about it it's
1: right right it's so important to share those stories and I can say that I, when when I reconciled with my daughters um we, I was able to have some, some conversations, especially with my older daughter. Um, my daughters are seven years apart and my oldest daughter, I was a single parent for most of her growing up years and her, especially her formative years. Um, I was a single mom, um, with very little support, very little and none from her father. Um, and, and I was very young. And so when I was able to reconcile with her, I was able to have a conversation with her at one point. And I remember her saying to me, you know, cause I just kept apologizing. I was like, I am so, so sorry that I hurt you. And she said, mom, you were a young mom. Mm-hmm. You didn't know. Mm-hmm. And that was her way of saying it's okay. That was her, her way of forgiving me. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And it, it brought us together. I mean, she and I are, I mean, I was 18 when I had her. So we're, we're, you know, she's close in age to me. um, And we have a very, even today, even though we're reconciled, it's still a very, um, Mm. it, it can be a challenging relationship between her and I, Um, Because we just experienced so much trauma together Um, and, but we're working on that and I see her making changes and understanding more of where I was now that she's got, she's got kids of her own and, you know, she's seeing them in, in teenage years and some younger ones and, and she's starting to see the challenges that I may have had you know, having been a single parent and I'm, and just the things that she says, I I'm picking up on. She's, she's like, she's, she's getting (laughs) that. She's understanding. And I'm so grateful. I feel so blessed that she's able to reflect a little bit on that and, and give me, she gives me some grace Mm
2: -hmm.
1: around the mistakes I made as a parent. And, um, Both of my girls do. They both give me some grace around that. And I am so utterly grateful. Mm. I'm just so, so grateful that they gave me another chance.
0: Right. And how beautiful to build now forward and not be drowning in ghosts of all the things that have happened.
1: Right. And that's I was just going to say, I, you know, I said earlier that if I always say if I had a do-over, it would be to, you know, parent my children differently. I think we do get a (laughs) do-over. at least I haven't in in this circumstance, um, I've been given a do-over and I, we never stop parenting our children, regardless of how old they are. Right. (laughs) And I feel that I've been given a second chance to parent differently. And, um, it's, it's beautiful. Mm. It's beautiful. It really, it's beautiful. And Mm. I've, I've, um, you know, I had an occasion. I was with my youngest daughter yesterday and my, my newest grandbaby. And I just, I left, left them thinking, wow, we have come so far. We've come so far. And I feel so blessed to be in this space with my children now. And I want this for everyone. I so desperately want this for everyone. And that's why I'm doing this podcast and doing the work that I do because I, I'm a firm believer that it's possible. And I know that a lot of parents think that it's not possible. And I remember being in the middle of my estrangement, just thinking like, I'm never going to see my kids again. I'm never, this is, how can we ever fix this? I remember thinking that, and I'm here to tell parents and children. It is possible. It takes work. It takes really hard, hard work for everyone involved, but it is possible. Mm. And I'm living proof of that. I'm absolutely living proof of that.
0: Mm. And that's why I love your podcast because it does, it gives that hope. And and, um, as a mom, as a daughter, as a, as a friend, a sister, all those things, there's so many layers to who we are as people. And when we can do that healing, we open up a whole new layer of self that can just do so much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This, I have to tell you, this is, um, this estrangement experience and, and reconciliation experience has changed, not just who I am in relation with my children, but it has changed who i am as a person and every relationship i have in life it has absolutely changed the changed me on a cellular cellular level um i have so much more compassion and tolerance and patience than i ever had before in my life and that that goes into every friendship coworkers, colleagues, I mean, neighbors, <laughs> I mean, every relationship that I have is different today because of my estrangement and reconciliation experiences. I mean, and it's, and it's been for the better because I dug in and I did my, the work on myself. Mm-hmm. And I did that without an expectation that my children would change.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that's a big key to this, and this is what I tell the parents that I work with, is that if you're going into this because you're expecting your kids to change and to come back together, then you're, it's not going to work. You have to go into this with the expectation that you're working on yourself, regardless of the outcome Mm -hmm. from others. Right. Because the
0: work is hard and they may or may not be ready to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of glad you don't, you, you have this do over now, but I'm kind of glad that you didn't go back and do that Mm. because you wouldn't be who you are giving what you're giving. And not that I am not sad that you went through the pain, but if we can look at our experiences and say, okay, what can I make good of this? Right. You're making the biggest good (laughs) for lack of a better sentence. Out of this yeah. experience, by giving to others the hope.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I, I, um, I'm a huge. I used to be a doula, and so I'm a. I tend to view life through the lens of pregnancy and birth, and I, I look at this like that. Like my estrangement experience was the labor mm. piece. You know, it was hard. It was ugly. There were moments I was ready to, you know, just like in labor, you're like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm walking out. I'm over this. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm done. And then there were times that you, you power through and you're like, I, you know, and then on the other side mm-hmm. of that is this gift that you can have. And this gift may not necessarily, and this is the thing that I, I stress, it may not necessarily be the gift of having your children back in your life. hmm But it's a gift because it changes who you are and how you relate to the world. Mm -hmm. And that cannot help but have ripple out effects Mm -hmm. when you're doing that inner work in humanity. And that is a gift. It's a gift to yourself and it's a gift to the world to be able to heal from something that has the pain of of all pains. Mm. Yeah.
0: Wow. Now what? Now what do you want to, I mean, you're doing this still. What's, what's the next hope for you in all of this journey with, the, with your family, with the podcast, with
2: everything?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I hope at some point in time that um, maybe my daughters will want to share their story. Mm. Of the past It's something I've not talked to them about and I won't, but I think that it could be helpful in healing for them to give voice to their story um, and help other estranged children. That would be lovely. If they don't, then that's their story and their choice. And I talk about that on the podcast as well. I don't, I don't tell their stories, their stories are theirs to tell. And there are, there are bits and pieces of my estrangement story that others don't know because it involves their story. And I won't, I won't reveal that without their permission. And, um, I for my family I mean I'm just so I have four grandchildren and I look forward to holidays now I look forward to um, you know just times when I can pick up the phone and say hey I'm going to be up in your area on Tuesday can I stop by and let's have lunch I would love that mom Is what I hear now right and I think wow you know Again, just five, six years ago, that was not the case. They wanted nothing to do with me. And so I just want to keep on keeping on with that, right? And helping them to feel safe and secure in our relationship with one another, that they can be who they are and be accepted for who they are as they are without me having any Ulterior motive, agenda, or desire for them to—I ch- don't—I don't want any of that. I want them to live their life, be happy and healthy, in whatever way that looks for them, mm-hmm. because it's not my life to live. I'm living my life. They get to live their life, and it's beautiful to watch. Um, yesterday, when I was with my daughter and, and granddaughter. Um, we were eating breakfast out and somebody, a patron stopped by the table and said, looked at my daughter and said, she's just gorgeous about my, my, my granddaughter. And I almost started bawling right there because it was like, I am able to witness my daughter receiving a compliment about her daughter. Mm. And that's just what a gift that is. Right. Mm. So I would keep being mindful of that and being grateful of those, those times in life when I get to bear witness to their life and their blessings, you know, and be there for the, for the not so happy times too. That, Cause that's all a part of it as well. Right. So that's what I want for them for my podcast um, and the work that I do in the estrangement world. I am hoping, I mean, we didn't talk much about this today, but I, am a, I'm a practice manager for a a psychotherapy group practice. And it was interesting when I started and my estrangement experience started the same time I started working in this position, which I found really interesting. Um, And so when I finally started talking about my estrangement experience at work, and even today, when I talk about it, most of the therapists kind of look at me like, A deer in the headlight look, they're like, I don't understand what this, what do you mean? And they really are, they really don't have a a true understanding of the complexities involved in this, right? Um, And so I'm helping them to understand (laughs) this process. Um, And that is something I would love to continue to do is to help professionals in the field of, of mental health to further understand um, estrangement and the complexities they're in and, and, you know, help them to help their clients through this and to see it from a more of a bird's eye view, as opposed to just the individual that's sitting in front of them Mm. and, and the family systems that's involved with all of this, um, and on that, that level. So that's one piece of it. And to continue to work, um, you know, coaching and working with moms and, Adult children to help them to reconcile. I mean, that just is—it's just such a passion of mine to to help heal and bring families back together, because it's you know that's what we're made up of (laughs) in this world. You know, our, our relationships, our familial relationships, and they have such deep effect on us and every other relationship we have in our life. And to heal that means to heal all sorts of other relationships as well. Yes, wonderfully said. And and as a clinician, you're right. If
0: there isn't specific training and family systems that your client always shows up in the room, but so don't all those yep. past and family of origin and all the
1: exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: Wow. I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. As you. as a fellow podcaster, as a clinician, as a mom, as a daughter, all those things. You honor people's experience just by doing what you do and talking about it and what you said about telling their story. So many come from a place where their story, you, you don't tell your story, right? You don't say out loud what you think or feel. And if someone else can't corroborate or say, Oh yeah, that happened. You, you mm-hmm. don't believe your story almost, even though
1: you right. do. Right. Our stories are so important. Yeah, I mean, we're operating everything in life we're operating from that story. How can it not be, you know, the turkey on the table at Thanksgiving? Like it's the main, it's the main thing. You know, you've got all of these, you know, all of these dishes around this thing and nobody's talking about the thing. And that, that, is what, that is what I'm trying to do and help people to understand the value and sharing that. For parents, it's really hard, especially moms. Um, It's really hard to talk about that Um, and, and to be open and vulnerable with sharing that. And that um, luckily for me, I've been involved in every career I've ever had as, you know, confidentiality has been like the linchpin of, I mean, it's just like the thing, right. And um, it's, it's such a huge thing for me, confidentiality and honoring, honoring that story, regardless of what that story looks like. It could be a bed full of roses or a bed full of dead and wilted flowers. I don't care what it looks like, it needs to be honored. And that's what I that's what I do
2: mm.
1: with the people that I work with, whatever that story is for them. We honor that, we give it voice, we honor it, and we start to work with it instead of fighting against it. Right. Right. We are meant to be witnessed. Yes. That, that brings healing just in that. Just in that. And that is what therapy did for me. Therapy did that for me when I could sit in a room and have every emotion under the sun and not be judged for it.
2: Mm.
1: Wow. 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 Yeah. It did more for me than anything else. And that's I try to give that back. I'm human, and there are you know times when I may not be so good at it, um, but I do try really, really hard to do that because I recognize what it what it did for me in being able to. As a matter of fact, I'm working on a um, a workshop that I want to do with moms on anger because I think that um, so many moms have so much anger on a variety of levels that in it for women. Women in anger, you know, we're just in our culture, just taught that, that those two don't go together. And I'm a firm believer that your anger is there for a purpose and you need to u- harness it and utilize it for good. And so, yeah, all of those emotions, everything needs to be witnessed and felt in a safe space, in a safe way, right? And not just go home and feel all of your emotions. No, 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 let's not do that. Because oftentimes that causes way more damage than than good.
0: Right. A place to be held emotionally and otherwise. Yep. Yeah. And I and what you said around the feelings, right? Yeah, women in anger, we we're not we're not comfortable with that. We're uncomfortable when people are uncomfortable with their emotions and they, mm-hmm. they display them. It's like, but if you block one emotion and say it needs to be managed and not
1: shown, you've given that same message to all the feelings. Right. Right. It was, um, and I never, you know, I had heard that. I I mean, I've been in the, even before I've been in and out of therapy all of my life. I mean, it's just, is a. it's a tool that I use to improve my life. And I used to hear all the time that, you know, well, if you're, if you're not, if you're shoving this anger down, you're not really feeling as much joy as you could feel. And I thought people were crazy. I was like, you're just nuts. This is, this can't, this can't this can't be <laughs> it's just so, and I would argue about it. And it's so true. Once I was able to feel all of the anger and allow it to express itself, the depth of joy I have in my life today is unlike ever before. Unlike anything ever before it is wild, absolutely. And utterly wild. The depth of joy that I feel in my life. And that's not just because my children are in it. It's the joy of life, of being here, of living every day. And that was something I never had before. Never, never. (sighs) And I, it came from expressing that anger and having it witnessed having it validated. Yes. I can see why you are, you are angry. And that is a very valid emotion. When I heard that, I was like, I thought, I thought my therapist was crazy. I thought she'd gone off the deep end. What are you talking about? She was like, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, no one had ever done that for me before. Everyone had said, stop, don't, don't know good girls, especially good little girls from the South. Hmm. no, Mm -mm. No, we will not have anger at the table
2: Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm
1: -mm. in no way or form. And I was full of rage and anger. And when I learned that, that I had those emotions because (laughs) there were, my anger was saying, something's not right. Something's not right. There is a wrong here for me. And I was trying to get someone's attention with it. And when my therapist was able to see, to hear that, and I was able to go, oh, that's what anger was covering up. Oh, I was angry because of this and that. And the other thing that happened in my childhood, got it. Now I understand. And mm-hmm. then surprisingly, that anger went away. I mean, yeah. it was just it totally dissipated. Yep. People see me now. They're like, who are you? <laughs> to be this angry angry person all the time and now you smile all the time what is what happened to you and I'm like ah, oh, my anger was heard <laughs> it was just somebody listened to it gave it the time of day brought it to the table gave it a, gave it a chair and a seat at the table and now it's like yeah okay yeah I talked about
0: feelings with my with clients oftentimes like toddlers if you get mm-hmm. down to their level and give them eye contact and say I know you want that thing you just can't right now." Right. If you let them know that you're there hanging in with them, they settle down. But if
1: you don't, they're going to be at you until you acknowledge. Exactly. And that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I had a perpetual two year old running around all the time that was just so angry with the world. And all we had to do was, you know, like I said, bring the chair up to the table and say, okay. Let's hear it, you know, (laughs) then, and then there was just, there was no need to have a tantrum because, oh my gosh, I've been heard. Amazing. I've been heard. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. So I'm a huge advocate for anger now. I'm like, you've got to get in touch with the anger. It's there for a purpose.
0: (laughs) It's brave. It's brave to express uh, any one of the feelings is louder than the others. And it's brave for for the children that say to the parents, I can't do this. That's
1: actually brave. So brave. It is. It's such a big. I call it big. The big brave. Yeah. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. And I applaud them. And I give them kudos for standing up and saying, "I can't do this anymore." Right. I don't. I don't advocate never having a relationship with your parent. I, you know, I'm an advocate for you. Ha- you needed to do this for you, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I can, I just see you
0: sitting with entire families and, and bring in the healing. You remind me of Mnuchin who would, he would work with, but there would be the identified client, the child with the problem, Yeah. hospitalize the whole family and sit and heal the whole family. And you, yes. you're doing, you're like a Mnuchin, you're doing that.
1: Yeah. And you have to, I mean, it's the whole, and you know, I hear that at work, you know, we get calls and we're like, this, my child is out of control and I need you to fix it. Fix him or her, and I'm like, oh, I can't. No one can. No, there's nothing wrong with this. child. <laughs> well, you know, there may be things going on, but it's it's the family system. yeah Everyone is is interacting with everyone, and and everyone is playing off of everyone. And so, no one person. Just like it can't be just the mom, and it can't be just the dad, or it can't be just the other sister and the other brother. I mean, it, it's everyone. Yeah, play a role in it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I
0: feel like I got a gift on your birthday by being here with you.
1: <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a pleasure to talk with you. Oh, I always love, love talking with you, Heather.
0: Well, thank you, Creed. What are you going to do for you today that brings all the joy and celebration of who you are in this world?
1: You know, it's interesting because um, my kids are off doing their thing. We're, we're going to celebrate next weekend um, for my birthday. And so today I'm actually spending a quiet day at home with my dogs and doing, I have about 12 books here piled up <laughs> that I haven't had time to read. And I just want, it's cold and rainy outside. And so I'm going to just snuggle in with my books for the rest of the day and be lost to the world. And that's just perfect for me.
0: That's beautiful. Oh, if we all did that more often. Yes. Yeah. I am honored, honored to have had this conversation. I can't wait to just get to know you more as who you are and, and do this journey or in, in the podcast world and all the things yes. um, let people know where they can find you. Cause I, I don't know if, that any listener to this episode is can't get something from listening to your podcast. Cause you are just a giver of life and hope and what you share.
1: Thank you, Heather. Uh... Thank you. It's been, it's been my honor. Really, really, it has been to be here today with you. Thank you. People can find me um, my podcast is the estranged heart and it's on all the major platforms. So Apple, Spotify, Google podcast, um, all of those. Um, my website is the estrangedheart.com And my email is the at gmail.com. Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, um, TikTok. The only thing I'm not on is Twitter, I think. Um, so I'm for social media. And um, yeah, if anyone wants to reach out, has any questions, I'm happy to answer those. And if they'd like to be, um, a, you know, a financial supporter of any kind, I'm welcome that too. It takes, as you know, lots of time and energy to put a podcast together and get the information out there and research and help support and do the work that I do. Mm. With others on top of my day job um so they can um find me on patreon for that again the estranged heart or on anchor.fm um and the estranged heart and they can find the support button there as well so
2: yeah
1: thank you're you you're
0: welcome a super important venue to be supported so that you can continue it absolutely and i'll put all that information in my show notes And I just thank you so much, so much today for sitting on your birthday and sharing the gift of who you are with all of us. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Heather. Thank you.
0: Thank you. What an honor to have that conversation with Creed. She's so honest and transparent and giving of hope to others. I've listened to her episodes. And honestly, if you know anyone who is dealing with estrangement, Creed is the place to go, to go listen to her episodes, see her website. She has support groups. She has so many things to offer because she knows exactly where this can impair relationships and she can help you repair relationships. So go find Creed where you listen to podcasts and please leave a review and comment on this episode or any other episodes of the Templates for Life podcast. It matters. It helps people find the podcast and it, helps me decide what content i might add to future episodes i hope you have a great day take care